We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Is there a difference between the mob and the mafia? I think that they are... I'm about to talk way out of my ass, but I, how I've always thought about it is like, um, like nationality. Like the mafia uh-huh. feels... Like the mob feels Italian. Yeah, is one one's like Italian, maybe one's Irish. <laughs> Hold on. I feel is like there's a Chinese there... mafia. Three six mafia. Welcome to the Holy Hour, a podcast about sex, relationships, mental health, and everything in between. I'm Amelia Sanson. And I'm Liz Ball. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the Holy Hour. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Amelia Sampson. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Liz Ball So Hard. You can also watch us on YouTube or listen ad-free on Patreon at patreon.com slash theholyhour. Check out our merch at theholyhour.com and email us your spicy stories at holyhourpodcast at gmail.com. You're so far away. I know, but you know what? Touch feet. Giving the people what they want. We're touching feet right now. Yeah, this is exclusive content. Subscribe We're- to us on Patreon if you want to see us touching feet. <laughs> Maybe I'll just put this clip on Patreon. Yeah, just this. Yeah. This is for the patrons only. We're just... <laughs> I feel very... um, Like, you and I are both hand holders. Mm-hmm. This feels worse. Yeah. But similar. Yes. Like, I feel connected to you in this moment. Mm-hmm. Through it, our souls. It takes a lot of trust to uh, touch feet. Do you get like souls of our feet? Soulmates. Ah. <laughs> um, if I weren't wearing socks, I wouldn't do this. Just so you know. Why would you? That hurts my feelings. No, I'm just kidding. It's not you. It's nothing personal. Feet freak me the fuck out. I just Same with Frank. He hates feet. It's I so just, funny. I don't know. There's something about him where I'm like, okay, that's too much. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Liz. Sometimes his feet are nasty. Yeah. His ski feet. Yeah. And they get too close to me mm-hmm. in the summer. Like, get that shit away Looking from me. at athletes' feet, like any sort of athlete, skiing, even like weightlifters. That's why it's called athlete's foot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, your gift that Frank got you and Mr. <gasps> oh, Liz yeah, got right. delivered the other day. I can't tell you anything about it. It's really small, but he's really excited. I want to know. Well, maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> like a Yeti. <laughs> um, okay. The fabled Mr. Liz. Yeah. I'm not making him up. He just walked by. Yeah. He does go to a different school. <laughs> <laughs> but he exists. Okay. In, in my house. Yeah. Right. You just keep them locked up here. 
Um, I, you know, both of my, both of my topics go hand in hand today. So do you want me to, do you want me to jump off or do you want to jump off? Um, how long are yours? Short. Mine are also short. Uh Oh, <laughs> they're not, they're not too short. I think we could have some, some fun discourse. Love that. With at least one of them. Okay. You know what? Same with mine. Should we, th- should we thumb more? Let's rock, paper, scissors for who starts. Okay. We're going to rock, paper, scissors okay. for, yeah, who, for goes who goes first. first. Yeah. Okay. Best one out of one. Well, you can go first. No, this is so much more fun. I love a little competition. That's true. Okay. Well, it, it also depends on what you want to do. Like if you want to be first or if you want to be second. What do you mean? Oh, so whoever wins goes first. I don't really care. Sh- sure. Okay. Yeah. Rock, <laughs> paper, scissors. I guess I'm going first. Okay. I didn't even want to go for no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> okay. So here are my topics. One of them is a breaking boobs. We haven't had a talking tits in a long time. I was going to say talking tits. Did you hear when Joe Biden was asked what his secret to a, he- a long, healthy marriage is, what he said? No. Oh, my God. I'm so scared. he said the secret to a long, healthy marriage is great sex. Don't even. Of course. I... It was. I wish everyone could hear my eyes rolling. She just rolled. It, they rolled all the way into the back of her head. I both love and hate this. Let me tell you why I love it. Because they never let this man talk. <laughs> and then the second that they do, he just comes out with an absolute fucking Says something heater. crazy. Yeah. Like, hell yeah. This is what we've been missing out on. Not letting this man just speak freely. Honestly, I think that uh, maybe more Republicans would be on board if they had uh, more let sex. joe Bi- biden talked i no, i agree except you know like obviously like Republican, but they're also like the same republican twitter is like mad about this uh, L- lauren bober got fucking groped in the middle of a musical donald trump talked about grabbing someone by the pussy yeah but people are like why well, why are the- you mad about this married man having great sex with his wife yeah allegedly right i mean it's all uh, dr jill biden yeah fuck yeah she ben shapiro doesn't know that women are supposed to get wet when they have sex i like how they act like so appalled when something mild like that happens yep but we'll just like stand behind the crazy stuff that republican like politicians will say yeah or like matt gates like being like a whole predator yeah literally yeah so anyway i'm happy for joe biden mm-hmm. i'm so happy he's having good sex that old old rickety man is still clapping cheeks i'm just honestly i imagine both biden and trump are just like completely not fully there <laughs> like yeah i mean yeah they are so old uh-huh they're both so old. Did you see um, John Stewart's back on the yes. Daily Show? Did you see him talk about the age of the two of them? It's a really no, good bit. I need to see I, it. I'll send it I've to you. I've seen some of his other m- more recent bits. It's so. It's it was. People were mad at John Stewart for calling out the age of Joe Biden, but it's like it's true. They're it's an all, issue. That they're, they're all too fucking old. Mitch McConnell. I'm sorry. Yeah. Dropped out today. I saw. Thank god we still have to wait till november yeah i know like, get this fucker out of here he right. looks like a turtle i feel like he's just like a corpse being powered by like a little alien man yeah. behind his eyes but my second 
topic. It's not a breaking boobs, but my friend was staying, my best friend was staying with me this weekend. She is a psychologist and she was saying that, you know how we've talked in the past about how healthy it is to plan sex. Mm -hmm. Now psychologists are saying the reason for that, and maybe they've been saying this all along, but now they're like teaching it too. Mm -hmm. They're saying that it's because when you're dating someone, you have like all day to like prep for like oh i'm going on a date tonight like i might oh, have sex oh yeah you can like mentally get into that's it that's a good point you lose that when you're living with someone yeah you know it's like should we fuck which is fun sometimes like do you have uh yeah do you have time tonight or? right do you have three men's for me to <laughs> just pump one out but when you are like hey should we like have sex on thursday it's like Pre- okay i like, can wear a wig it's like <laughs> we can pretend we don't know each other <laughs> yeah i can see you from across the bar with my wife <laughs> we can like your vibe <laughs> who's playing the wife yeah (laughs) yeah um but i thought that that was so it makes so much sense yeah like because we've talked so much about like emotional foreplay Mm -hmm. and like that kind of goes along with that of like yeah it's the excitement yeah you know of the potential yeah and it makes so much sense why that would meet that would be why planning sex is like such a positive thing for couples Mm -hmm. i just hadn't thought of it in that way like the planning aspect of it yeah like not the planning aspect of it like the prep aspect of it you know yeah that was interesting i like that yeah it's a it's a good way to think of it um no but i wanted to get your opinion on this so a friend of a friend has been like seeing someone recently um the friend of a friend is a man, a straight man. Okay. So he just started like going on a few dates with someone and she hasn't um, like split the bill or like taken turns paying. And I feel like it's like a, like how do you navigate that? So he's like kind of annoyed that she hasn't like split the bill. So he's been paying for every date. Yeah. So... I first I just want to know what you do like when you're first dating somebody uh-huh. like how do you when the bill comes what do you do I always take my card out I always offer to split especially the first few dates I've said this in the past but I don't want to feel like I owe someone something like if they pay then I have mm-hmm. to like go out with them again that is exactly what I said to Mr. Liz I was like I because Mr. Liz is the one who asked me like how long would you wait when dating somebody before you like would split the bill or like offer to pay. And I was like, I like date one, like I'm splitting the bill because I don't want to feel like I owe you anything if I don't like you. And I know that's not necessarily how it works, but like for real, I don't want to have any sort of like collateral. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just, I just want to pay for my shit and you pay for your shit and if we like each other we could see each other again and then eventually we can figure out who's paying for what totally you know yeah and i mean like there's there's been historically so many instances of men getting like like expecting sex when they pay for dinner and so it's just like the safe bet to just not like but and then i was like okay as a man with these like there are still these stereotypical gendered roles of like okay you're going on a date and the man should pay which sure fine whatever um if that's what you want that's great but also make that clear yeah but like how do you as a man like approach that conversation then yeah um because i was like is he like pulling out his card and is like oh no i'll take care of it or like i'll take care of this because i feel like 
every time I've had this sort of interaction on a date where we're paying for stuff, like it's pretty natural. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, let's just split it. Or, um, or like, no, don't worry. I got this one. Yeah. Or you can get the next one or something. Yeah. Saying something like that, I think would be the way to do it. Or like, you know, like how now I'm like, he's in too deep. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been a sec now, but yeah, I feel like I also want to know what this woman does. Does she just sit there and stare at him when the bell comes? I I do. Honestly, power move. Totally. This girl's got balls. There have been one of my friends who lives on the East Coast was going on like a bunch of dates and he really liked this girl, but she was like just expecting him to pay for everything. And it was just like such a turnoff for him at the end of the day. Like he's like, I really like her, but like I am, I'm spending a lot of money on it. And it's like, it really, it, it turns into like this, like, unfair responsibility for someone when we're all just out here like trying to survive yeah um well and then it's like okay you need to let this you both need to build your wealth yeah because if this works out you want to be in a good financial place yes (laughs) yeah absolutely no like totally down the line but also i feel like there's a way to be like so when the bill comes like how do you want to do this do we want to just like split it down the middle you know say it like that or like Oh, let me just cover this. Or like, and then, I like, get this one and you get the next one. That's a good way to say it. Or like, um, do you want to just like, I'll just put my card down. You can Venmo me. That's my favorite line. Because it's now like, I'm like, how is he going to get out of this? It's very un- non-committal. Yeah. And I don't, listen, if you want like traditional relationship, like and traditional gender roles in your relationship, that is totally fine. Yeah. I, I don't care what other people do in their relationship. But I do think that you should make it clear what your expectations are Absolutely. up front. Yeah. Because if you're not on the same page, if you want like a traditional gender role boyfriend who pays for everything, I think you, know, you should tell him that. Totally. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. But then also I feel like there are some women that just have been raised to just think that men pay for everything Mm -hmm. and not i don't say that like in a derogatory way but like it's just like they were brought up to believe that that's how it does that or something yeah you know yeah i totally get that and then in that sense it's like how like you're saying like how does he approach that especially now that he's been paying for dates like Mm -hmm. bringing it up now would kind of feel like like, is she going to always expect this like you need to nip it in the bud as soon as possible yeah totally and if you bring it up now like so do you want to do this one because like i've done the last few it's like oh are we keeping fucking score like we don't know we don't know this girl so it's like how is she gonna react to that i know i want to ask her yeah i have no idea who she is or whatever i just am so curious like is she is she doing it on purpose? Yeah. That's what I want to know. If she's like intentionally like the bill comes and she just sits there and looks at him politely. Yeah, I know that that's interesting. I want it because that really is that, even if it's how she was raised, that really does feel like a power move. Like, oh, absolutely. Like, you know what? If you're one of those girls who wants to do that, <laughs> do it and then like tell us about it because yeah. I am just curious. I would never do that, but I... It, honestly maybe i would do that if the date sucked like, yeah i'm not paying for this true and then i'm gonna change my number but now they've been on a few so it's clearly the dates are good 
yeah unless she's just like trying to no i think the dates are are good i think they've been going well so yeah and then that's even more incentive to figure this out yeah of like i really like you and also i think that this should be a little bit more of a fair situation yeah 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 it's it just it it brings up so many different like points of contention in traditional gender roles and like the patriarchy yeah because i do think that there is a little bit of an issue with there's not a lot of space for um modern men in patriarchy like old traditional patriarchy because like i i feel like men are in this middle ground where they're like i don't want this to be complicated like yeah but they're you know they're not they're not women and they weren't raised with all of these societal expectations just I don't like dumped on them from the day they're born you know Mm -hmm. not in the same way that women are yeah but like I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this in the best way I guess like I I just think that most modern men are normal Mm -hmm. however they were probably oftentimes raised in um, a household where their mom is the first one to work and maybe their grandma didn't. So their mom is a working woman who is also doing all of the housework. Yeah. Because they're trying to break out of this like traditional gendered expectation, but the housework still falls onto her. So now we have a bunch of men our age who have grown up seeing their mom do everything. Yeah. So then they're like, well, my mom did it. Why can't you do everything? Mm -hmm. So there's just kind of like, a weird split in expectations of like, well, how do we find a clear path forward in modern dating when we're all trying to navigate gendered stereotypes? It's such a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. How like were like the generation before us was trying to make it all happen. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point. Yeah. They were the, the, the women who wanted it all. Yeah. A family. They had a family. They had jobs. They had, um, a household to take care of and like cook for and clean whatever they're doing everything see that's so interesting because I feel like a lot of like the the misogynistic bullshit that I see online of men talking about like this kind of expectation yeah is, they like, want a traditional woman yep, who pays for things know. yeah <laughs> yeah and but then is like hot yep and will take care of like cook and clean and all yeah. of that it's like a tr- it's a woman who like doesn't make more money than him but still splits the bill on everything like i don't mm-hmm. want a woman that like i want a woman that just like stays at home and does the housework but also doesn't expect me to pay for everything it's like how does the how, how explain yeah, that say that that's, slower well and like if if that's what you want if you want a traditional relationship then you need to be a traditional man you need to be able to afford to support this woman's entire life yeah like her lifestyle go back to the factory how <laughs> go back to the factory go back to the coal mines Jesus. if you want to be a traditional man i just yeah it's it's an interesting um dynamic to observe and then like on the opposite end you you see like kind of the ex- the same extreme beliefs in women but then they're like trying to code it as feminism of like well men should pay for everything and 
also like give me entire equality and control. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's when I say femme cell, that's what I'm totally referencing. But an actual femme cell is an incel, just a woman. Mm-hmm. Like they're like the kind of girl who's like, well, boys hate me because I'm ugly. Yeah. And every hot girl is bad and yep. mean <laughs> because I have a chip on my shoulder about it. Yeah. Like men don't want a real woman these days. That's a femme cell. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and then I just like, I can't remember what subreddit I was on where I was just reading like these women not having realistic expectations for how a man is like you're we're losing the plot yeah we're losing the plot when we're just like the a man should be and do all of these things but he had like a whole life before you yeah you know totally it's like okay you both have your own shit you need to work through yes you're not some perfect person who prince charming's gonna walk in and like sweep you off your feet and do every single thing that you want him to do yeah you know yes totally i I feel like as a society i mean this is just like a more like broad idea rather than like this specifically but i do feel like the wheels are kind of starting to fall off on everything like absolutely it's like we were like speed trading like toward something good and then it just like got a little bit out of control and got rickety we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. The other thing that is, I don't know if it's like a complaint necessarily, but did you ever listen to Anna Ferris's podcast, Unqualified? No. So it has changed a lot. Um, when I first started listening to it in 2016, it was so different. It was very like comedy focused and now it's very like, self-improvement focused wow um but her producer his name is sim sarna um i just remember his name but (laughs) uh sometimes like so she'd have a guest on like a celebrity guest and then um they do like improv and play games and whatever and sim would screen people to give a advice to like relationship and dating advice and that's why it's called unqualified because she's unqualified to give this advice that's funny and um before like so anna doesn't know what the situation she's going to be giving advice on is and um sim would like set up the call and then he'd be like you're gonna be talking to this person and they're having like this 
problem with in their relationship. And then Anna would be like, how old are, how old is she? And then Sim would always say like something between like 22 and like 26. And I remember hearing like Anna being like, I told you to not fucking pick these like young people. And then he's like, no, it'll be fine. And I was like 26 at the time. So I'm like, no, like they're serious. Like they need your help or your advice. And um, now that I'm 32, I'm like, no, yeah, I totally understand where she's coming from yeah. because I would be like, you're, babe, you're 24. Yeah. Break up with this guy. Yeah. Like right. shit's already not going well and you're 24 and it's been like three months. Nar. I, that was my foot. I didn't fart. Um, I, <laughs> I thought it was you your stomach. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. If somebody would have just like smacked me upside the head when I was 24, I would have like really saved myself a world of hurt in a relationship. I saw a TikTok of this woman saying, she's like, mm, I don't think your soulmate is going to be the guy that all your friends and family hate. Yeah, real. And it's so fucking true. Like, if you think like about like the idea of a soulmate, is it going to be someone that all your friends and family are like, this guy, please, <laughs> we are just like holding our breath, waiting for you guys to break up. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I wish I had I wish someone had just sat me down and said that to me because it doesn't need to be some complicated thing. No, but also you have to be so willing to hear it at that age, too. Like I dated some really questionable creatures, you know, and <laughs> I was like so sure about like 75 percent of them. And looking back on it, I'm like. I was a digmatized a lot of the time. <laughs> But B, like I wasn't in a place where somebody could sit me down and just be like, hey, don't fuck with, don't fuck around with this person. This is not worth your time. If somebody would have said that to me, I'd be like, no, it's, it's fine. You don't know them like I know them. Well, if they but if they sat you down and said, like, I don't think your soulmate is going to be the guy that all your friends and family hate. I thought that my soulmate was someone that all my friends and family hated for like a long time in like right after college. If they said it that directly, would you be like. Would you still be in denial? I think so. I think Damn. that I wasn't ready to hear it at that age yeah. is the issue. Fair enough. But now looking back, I look at myself then and I'm like, hello. No, like. I think if it, honestly at any given point in time, if someone had been like, all your friends and family hate this guy. Yeah. Do you really think your soulmate is someone that your friends and family hate? I would be like. No, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just I've had so many friends that have like I haven't liked their boyfriend, but they've loved them so much that I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to keep it to myself because oh. they can't hear this right now. And then when they get out of the relationship, they're like, oh, nobody liked him. Why didn't anyone tell me? And it's like that wouldn't have changed anything. That's why nobody told you because then it just causes a rift. Mm hmm. Yeah. And you want to be able to like be supportive of your friend without yeah. making them feel alienated. I do think every woman on the face of the planet has had a friend where you're like, I fucking hate their boyfriend. Yeah. Yep. Kick I think I said this a, a couple of weeks ago, but like my friends just all went through this renaissance, like this month of just like breakups, breaking up with just the worst dudes. Like so many of them went we through love breakups. We see it. It was the best. I'm like, Yes. This is all I've wanted. But it was like they wouldn't have been able to receive that kind of information mm -hmm. at the time. But it's so obvious from the outside. And I look back on some of the people that I dated. I'm just like, what the fuck? What was what? What was I? Was I in heat for like years? Like what was wrong with me? 
when people I, I don't know if this happened to you, but when you and your ex broke up, was everyone like, yeah, we didn't like him um, or no, because they didn't. like. So what had happened was they liked him and then he cheated on me and then we got back together uh, and he like went through the whole like everyone hated him when we got back together. Obviously, he mm-hmm. went on this whole apology tour of like making it right with everyone and then they all loved him. And then we broke up again. And then everyone was like, God fucking damn it. He he bamboozled us. Did this shit again. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's not a bad guy. I mean, he did really bad things. But he did kind of, like, make himself a better person at the end of the day. Like, he did, yeah. he did the work. It's, it's definitely easy to want to, like, vilify your ex. Yeah. But I think as you heal and get older in general, you're like, yeah, we were both fucking idiots because we were young but and they you know they did do these things that go against my values Mm -hmm. and really hurt me but hurt people hurt people totally and the opposite of hurt people hurt people is um uh healed people heal people i've never heard that i heard it on tiktok and they might have said something else but it's true Healed people help heal other people. It's true. It's like my little my little support group, a garden of flowers picking themselves. Yeah. Join us on Discord. I'm trying to move off of Facebook. <laughs> Everyone should Everyone try sh- and move off of Facebook. I, I am amazed at how many people are still posting on Facebook. Like, oh, yeah. I'll log on just like to I just, find something. I, I'll log on because I'll log on when I'm bored. Yeah. Just to see what weird shit the weirdest person I haven't talked to since high school is posting. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yep. Yep. Oh or just God. someone you met once in college and you're like, who the fuck is this? Yeah, there are so many people I have on Facebook that I'm like, how do I know I this? Met we them have like one a time. mutual friend that yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yes. Yep. It's so bizarre. You're like, Oh, was I just add everyone? D- did, did we go to college together? <laughs> yeah. Or if it's like, um, a woman who got married and you don't recognize their last name. You're like, Oh yeah. Who is this? And you go through their relatives to see if one of the relatives last name stands <laughs> out. Oh, Facebook. Oh, Zuckerberg. Zuck. Um, what was your second topic? That was it. Oh, was the on affairs thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> we really like ran a gamut there. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, let me see if I have any other quick little notes. I have, um, a debate that i want to ask you about it's like pretty old it's like 10 years old but i was just talking to frank about it um stephen a smith the uh sports guy the like face of espn basically he said he got in some hot water when um that football player i think ray rice knocked his girlfriend out in an elevator do you remember that? No. It was what? it was bad. It's I mean, it was like it was on video. He just like decked her and she and then he dragged her out of the elevator. What the fuck? And Stephen A. Smith, it was really fucked up and how the NFL responded to it was really inappropriate and but that's neither here nor there. Just that's that's a deep well. But um Stephen A. Smith was saying on his show that and he got in a lot of trouble for it that women who date NFL players or athletes who are very clearly like violent guys, he said, don't make them mad. 
And on paper, like up front, when Frank told me that he said that, I was like, what the fuck? Fuck that, you know? But then, and he was like, I completely agree. But then he was trying to, he was like saying later on, he's like, Stephen A. Smith was saying, I have said a lot of really stupid fucked up shit in the past that I don't stand behind. I stand behind this because I'm not saying that it's your fault, but I'm saying if you're, if you're dating somebody who is very obviously violent, who like very obviously has like a Swiss cheese brain, you know, from like all of like the head trauma and you're going into this knowing that you're dating a violent guy and you're making that decision, the very least you can do to keep yourself safe is just to not piss them off. Like if you're making that choice for yourself, it's like you're choosing to go into a tiger pit. Yeah, exactly. And even if they're like somewhat domesticated, like they're still a violent animal at the end of the day that can kill you. Right. And you're making that choice but it's never your fault. So it's, it's a murky area. Yeah. And I wanted yeah. to hear your opinion on it. I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like it is a murky area. Like if this person is known to be violent yeah, and has been violent to other people, especially other women. Um, and I, I do understand that there's, there's going to be times where you don't know this going into a relationship totally. that they're going to be a violent person. 100%. Um, and I wouldn't say like, Sure, on paper, on paper, you can say don't make them mad. Yeah, um, because I don't think that's a fair statement, though, because you don't know what is going to piss off someone who is emotionally volatile and unpredictable. Totally. Um, and someone who is physically abusive is probably also emotionally abusive, and an emotionally abusive person is going to make it impossible for you to know what is going to upset them. Yeah. They're always going to be upset. Yeah. They will find something to be upset about. So they have a yes. reason to lash out at you. It's like a hairline trigger. Yeah. I do think too, like this, that statement that he made doesn't fit everyone. That's yeah. abusive. It definitely but- does not. If you're dating like a publicly well-known athlete yeah. who is also known to be violent, that sh- that information is everywhere. It's totally. kind of like Chris Brown. It's like if yeah. you are going to choose to date Chris Brown, just know yeah. all of the other shit he's done to women. Yeah. It's atrocious. Totally. And if you're choosing to be in that, like do what you can to not get hit, which is like really fucked up because there's never it, any other instance that you yeah. would put the put that well, onus on women. And the thing that you can do to not get hit is not date this person. Exactly. So it's like I think that's ultimately what it comes down to yeah. is like, you need to value yourself enough to know that like you deserve so much more yeah than tolerating someone or trying to convince yourself that like you're going to change them yeah and i do think that the appeal of like i can change them i think that that comes from like obviously unhealed childhood trauma mm-hmm. of like one of your parents behaved like this yeah. and was emotionally unavailable or abusive and you are recreating it in your romantic life so you can try and heal that part of you mm-hmm. like if i can if i can fix this person it'll fix the wounded part of me yeah and it's also i'm sure the other side of that too for people who don't fit that kind of background is like if you think somebody is attractive and they have a lot of money and then they have this very bad quality it's like well I can change the bad quality it's like no you can't you that has never worked for anyone I mean like being physically attractive obviously I think while shallow 
<laughs> that's the world we live in, you know? Yeah. Uh, attract people are going to be attracted to attractive people. Yeah. Um, and then with money, like, while I also don't tunnel, I don't agree with that. Like dating someone just for their money. You, you guys got to be on the same page about that. You got to be in agreement. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You are also dating me for my money because it is a resource and a source of protection. Totally. And I mean, it, back to the tradition theme, like women didn't even have, they weren't legally allowed to have their own bank account until like the early seventies, which is insane. And I think their husband still had to sign for that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They had to sign to say, well, in the sixties is when that law initially passed that women could have their own bank account, but their husband had to sign that they could, they were allowed to have their own bank account. And even then most banks would still refuse to provide that for women. So in the scheme of history, like we don't have a lot of financial and experience with financial independence. Yeah. So like having a reliable source of income does offer a form of safety and protection. Yeah. Um, but anyways, if we had our own money, they figure we wouldn't need them. And that's, that's scary. Yeah. And we don't. Uh, we don't. They're need in the find you. out phase. We want you. And some of you are unwantable. <laughs> and that is a personal problem. <laughs> Focus on being more wantable. And maybe somebody will want you. And but and that doesn't go for everyone. That just goes for you fucking dickheads. Nobody <laughs> nobody listens to this as a dickhead, but maybe it'll that's reach true. someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Show this. Show this clip yeah. to someone who needs to hear it. Look me in the eyes. <laughs> someone you want to start a fight with. Be more wantable. Yeah. Uh but I just I feel like I also need to add a contingency to this conversation of like abuse is not gonna be something obvious and upfront especially like physical abuse by the time a lot of women are in that position they're already like they're not just like staying there and tolerating physical abuse they're they've been manipulated and gaslit and they are doubting their own reality um they could also be like you know financially held hostage in this relationship there's a lot of different dynamics so i just didn't want to seem like dismissive of like this is really straightforward no 100 percent. no this is 100 like the discussion that we're having is 100 percent around like people that are very well known to be like really toxic abusive people if you're going to throw yourself into that lion pit like then you have to protect yourself Mm -hmm. you just have to that's also why i think you know it should be a regular thing to do background checks on um, someone you don't know that you're maybe like going on a date with or starting to date. Yeah. A lot of information's public. Yeah. Or just so. like make it legal to like tar and feather abusers. Yeah. Like fill their shoes with concrete and sink them to the bottom of the Hudson. You know, that's what the mafia should do. That- I mean, I'd pay for that. You know, I'm not saying for legal reasons i'm give not our taxes to, to the mafia <laughs> we basically are at the end of the day <laughs> um i feel like the mafia has better values than the american government <laughs> i just watched the most interesting fucking documentary about the mob called get gaudy is there a difference between the mob and the mafia i think that they are 
I'm about to talk way out of my ass, but I, how I've always thought about it is like, um, like nationality, like the mafia uh-huh. feels like the mob feels Italian. Yeah. Is one, one's like Italian. Maybe one's Irish. <laughs> Hold on. I feel like there's a Chinese there... mafia. Three, six mafia. <laughs> <laughs> is there a difference between the mob and the mafia. I'm gonna get a fight night. I'm so hyped. All this mob and mafia talk is getting the cats riled up. Mm-hmm. The terms the mafia and the mob are not synonymous, but they are often used interchangeably. The mafia can re- refer to the Sicilian mafia or Italian organized crime in general. The mob can refer to other organized crime groups such as the Irish mob um, or organized crime in general. So the it- Italians are mafia. Mm-hmm heard so i think that then get Gotti, john Gotti was must have been the mafia um but it is so fucking interesting and it's about trying to take down the leader of the mafia in new york when the mafia runs everything mm-hmm. in new york basically um and like how it's just it's a very interesting this is a little bit off track now so i won't get too into it but i'd highly recommend it's so interesting from like a police politics standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Anyway. <clears throat> um, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it too, like we could easily start our own mob of organized crime and our organized crime will be breaking um, laws that infringe on our rights as humans and Americans. Oh my God. Yes. Whatever, whatever is that that's called. Getting abortions where you're not allowed to. <laughs> that's our mob. That's abortion our mob. mob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one last note. That's a random thing that I remembered. So, a long time ago, uh, I think when I was in college, The Onion had a headline about like an abortion mega complex like oh my god it's like a mall for abortions and there were a lot of people who didn't realize that it was an onion headline and that it was satire and they're like sharing it on social media like this is ridiculous this is appalling that is this is onion stupid it's hilarious that's ridiculous uh so we got a really nice um well, we've gotten several emails from you guys. It was a it was a poppin' week I in know, our inbox. Please keep it coming. We love hearing I, from yes, y'all. Yes, yes. And honestly, it does give us some really helpful content for you guys yeah. because the podcast is for you. Yeah. As much as it is also f- for us to hear the sound of our own voices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll say it. And just hang out. Just yeah. hanging out and listen, right. listening to ourselves an excuse talk. excuse to see Liz for an hour and a half every week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's also for y'all yeah um so when you guys do write in we we seriously love it Mm -hmm. but uh we got this very interesting email from someone as a follow-up to my um iud investigation in history so uh the headline says the dalkin shield killed my aunt and that's what this email is going to be about Hi, Liz and Amelia. I have listened to the podcast for a long time, and I was so glad to hear your recent episode on IUDs and your focus on the Dalkin Shield. I'm an American writer living abroad in Austria, and I work part-time as a professional storyteller. 
Last October, I told my Aunt Diana's story in, a pu- in public for the first time, and I want to share it with you now. I don't usually give trigger warnings, but for this story, I will. It is brutal and deals with pregnancy loss and horrific mistreatment of women. Diana died before she could become my aunt, and the circumstances surrounding her death became a family secret. It was one of those, we'll tell you when you're older things, but I'm old enough to know it's high time that someone speaks out about it. She was only 24 when she died on July 5th, 1972. I was born 17 years later on July 4th. At the time, she was working at Harvard University's Fog Fog Museum as an assistant to the director. It was her dream job. They loved her. I remember visiting Cambridge as a teen, and my mother drove us out of the way on the route home, pulled the car over, and rolled down the passenger window. When I asked why we were there, she she stared past me at the apartment building behind us and said, that's where Diana died. My mother is gone now, too. My grandfather died a few years later. I recently inherited his desk and went back to Boston to sort through it. Inside were hundreds of musty letters from his two daughters. Reading Diana's words was the closest I've come to a conversation with her. She was smart and gorgeous, legendary. She went to all the best schools, and her strawberry blonde hair fell in perfect waves without styling. Before she even graduated high school, the boys at Yale declared her the conquest of the year. That's in quotes. (laughs) Goals. Thanks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks. A colleague said she was always dazzling, yet another Harvard or MIT date. My mom said Diana once called her from university and said, Oh, Chrissy, I'm double digit. I'm in double digits. <laughs> Probably for dates. Fuck yeah. Uh, reading her letters, poems, and journal entries, I saw we had a lot in common. I wish I had 10% of her looks, but I think I have something of her mind. Pretty sure she had undiagnosed ADHD and also possibly celiac disease like me. And we were both shameless flirts. Now, I've only dazzled the occasional Harvard grad and mostly women, but Diana had a wild streak in her that she'd have recognized in her niece. At the time of her death, she was living in sin with a man she couldn't marry. He was Jewish. She was Catholic. His family wouldn't stand for it. For birth control, Diana was fitted with an IUD called the Dalkin Shield. Now, some people know that name already, especially after your last episode, but 50 years on, the story has mostly been forgotten. The Dalkin Shield was a cervical clamp with a flawed design that allowed the wire to transmit bacteria from the vaginal canal directly into the uterus. It caused extreme pelvic infections, horrific pain, and on top of that, it wasn't very effective at preventing pregnancy. If wearers got pregnant, it caused spontaneous septic miscarriage and dramatically increased the chance of ectopic pregnancy, which occurs when the fetus begins to develop outside of the uterus, whether the fallopian tube or in the cervix, which is what happened to Diana. She knew she was pregnant. She knew her body, but the doctors didn't believe her. Silly woman, we've put an IUD. It would be impossible. The urine test, extremely unreliable back then, was negative, and they declined to do a blood test. This was at Harvard University, by the way. So they sent her home, where she bled out in her bathtub. Now, my sister and I remember this part differently. I remember Diana died in the bath. My sister recalls that she died in the ambulance. Either way, she was gone before anyone could help her, even the Harvard-trained doctors across the street. We both remember this. They had to wash her blood from every wall in the bathroom. Jesus. It's hard to imagine now, but in 1972, the thought of how she died was a great scandal, with much of the blame falling on Diana. The family kept the details of her death quiet to protect her reputation and were further silenced by the lawsuit 
lawsuits they filed. But anyone that lawyers can come after is dead now, and the horrors of the Dalkin Shield are public knowledge. The class action lawsuit filed a few years after was one of the largest in history. Over 200,000 injuries were cited and 17 deaths. Diana was one of those. With the lawsuit settlements, the family donated three art pieces to the Fogg Museum in her name. As the direct result of that case, in 1976, the FDA began mandating testing of all medical devices. So things have changed, but not enough. The company continued selling the device in Australia into the 80s and countless more were hurt. Three years ago, I was sleeping with a guy and the condom broke. I called my Austrian gynecologist for an emergency appointment. Because of a health condition, I can't take hormonal birth control um, or the morning after pill anymore. So my only option for emergency contraception was to be fitted with a copper IUD. Because it was a Friday afternoon, the procedure was performed without pain medication or cervical dilation because the doctor didn't have time to wait for the medicine to start working. The procedure was so painful, I screamed and began shaking uncontrollably so hard that the soreness of my muscles took longer to heal than the IUD pain did. Hmm. Oh, and the device cost 600 euros because while medical care is affordable and fantastic in Austria, especially compared to the U.S., birth control isn't covered in Austria. And no, the guy did not offer to help. Of course. (laughs) That's so fucked. It is a constant struggle for women that our doctors do not believe us about our bodies or our pain or and the results can prove deadly. The problem is even worse for black women who are almost three times more likely to die from complications of childbirth. Studies show doctors estimate IUD insertion to be half as painful as patient patients report. I cannot change much in this world. I cannot bring Diana back, but I have made it my vendetta that it should be illegal to perform this procedure without offering pain management. My unhinged dream is to create a website called the Diana Network where doctors and medical professionals like gynecologists can sign a pledge not to insert an IUD without offering pain management to their patients. Patients could choose to visit these providers instead. In the long term, I hope to advocate for policy change. I have no idea if this is possible, but my partner is a programmer and I am very good at being annoying. (laughs) Same. And I have some part of Diana's intelligence mixed with my mother's creativity. What I need is support or someone with a better idea. If you share this and your a listener contacts you, please put them in touch with me. Maybe we can do something. When I told this story on stage, I had been bleeding uncontrollably for months. I took countless pregnancy tests, terrified history was repeating. I ended up in the emergency room for the bleeding on Thanksgiving. I had the IUD removed and months later, things are beginning to return to normal for me. I understand the story was brutal, but I would like to end with two bittersweet victories. Here's one. My IUD came with a card listing the device number in case of recalls and a card you can carry in your wallet in case of an emergency. That card exists because of the EU's response to the FDA's regulations. It exists because of Diana's death. When my grandfather cleaned out Diana's apartment, he took her wallet and hit hit it in his desk where I found it last year while visiting the Boston area to sort through my inheritance items from him and my mother. Inside were small details of a life cut too short. Her Harvard parking pass, her coupe card, a snipping of a Latin song, brutally a reminder for a doctor's appointment on July 6th, the day after she died. 
Visiting home with my partner, we brought Diana's wallet to Harvard Fog Museum and asked about the art donated in her, in her honor, but were turned away after learning the pieces were buried in the archive, collecting dust with her memory. Walking through Harvard Square, we purchased a baby-sized Letterman jacket in the Harvard shop. It was a gift for a friend's son, not for us, but the question of when it would be for us, when I would have a baby, hung in the crisp fall air. At the register, the cashier offered a student discount if we had ID. I put on a cheeky smile and asked, how recent does it have to be? Why, are you alumni, she said. I pulled out Diana's 51-year-old coupe card and told a light version of the story. Oh, that definitely works, she said. And while the 25% off doesn't count for much, it meant that 50 it meant that 51 years later, Diana's story was still alive at Harvard, and that's priceless. Thank you for your episode and for reading this novel-length letter and for your episode. <laughs> Love um, the listener. I, I don't want to say their name. Of course. But um, she did include some pictures of Diana, her wallet, and a short clip of the story when she told it on stage last year um, in Vienna. Um, but this is really awesome that she that she shared this with us yeah that's amazing so here are some of the pictures oh wow she She really was beautiful it's like it's so i love these photos of her lana del rey is quaking (laughs) yeah (laughs) lana del rey has been really quiet since this story (laughs) dropped (laughs) um thank you so much for sharing this what like it's wild because it's already devastating to know that this happened, but to hear like a a story of somebody that was directly affected by it mm-hmm. well, really drives it home. I mean, Diana is one of the 17 reported deaths and the fact that, you know, someone who is related to her listened to this podcast, I think is pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. It really is. And um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting emotional. No, it's emotional. Sorry. No, it's Okay. <laughs> Give me a second. Okay. I was not expecting. I almost started crying while reading it. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. The fact that this listener wants to create a foundation, like, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy that we have the opportunity to amplify this and hopefully like connect her with maybe people who are familiar with policy change or creating nonprofits or yes. things like that, you know, I don't know how to do that, <laughs> but I, I am really hopeful that we have some listeners who want to come together and and provide knowledge and information and support. Yes. And if there's anyone that wants to be connected with the, the who wrote this, um, I am hereby. <laughs> I promise I will check my messages. I yeah. normally don't, but this is this is a reason for me to start to. We would love to connect y'all. So message mm-hmm. me or Liz or both of us or the podcast Instagram. The podcast Instagram might be the best. But yes, we will be monitoring our messages. If anybody wants us to connect um, you to this listener. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you're saying, I mean, it's I feel so lucky that we're able to be like a hub for yeah this this connection to be made because it's so important um and i i mean i would be more than happy for us to continue like amplifying this message especially if it starts to 
you know, the ball starts rolling. Yes. 100%. Yes. <laughs> but I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah, me too. Oh, and that reminds me before I forget, another listener had commented on Patreon. Our Pisces and I think bestie. this is, yeah, Pisces bestie commented. Um, if you're a longtime listener, you might remember <laughs> Pisces best bestie reference. Um, but she commented on Patreon and she said, I don't know how many other um, gynecologists do this, but mine gave me misoprostol to take the night before, which helped soften slash slightly dilate my cervix. My IUD insertion was relatively painless and mostly just felt weird. I was crampy afterwards, but nothing extreme. I'm curious of others' experience with taking this medication prior to the procedure. So when I was deep in my research, because I was deep in my research looking for um, a copper IUD that was smaller that I could somehow get maybe in... Um, Canada or something and when I was looking on Reddit uh, there were a few women who referenced that medication um, mostly in Canada so I do wonder if you have to like make a specific request for it yeah and that's I mean it's when I saw that comment I was like we have to remember to read this because it's so important to be yeah to speak up for yourself and to know what your options are yes Um, one last note and I think we can wrap this up yeah Um, I was talking to one of my friends who had a baby like probably a year ago and we were asking her questions about pregnancy and she was telling us all kinds of different things. And I was like, it is insane to me that women have been giving birth since the dawn of time. And we do not know so much information about our bodies and what happens to us during pregnancy and during childbirth. Yeah. It's fucking insane yeah. how it is just like, shh, don't talk about it. Yeah. I mean, if if men gave birth, first of all, if men gave birth, women would be the ones in charge, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but if in this current climate, if men gave birth, I'm sure that we would have way more information about it mm-hmm. and everything in general. It's so bizarre. Yeah, yeah it is. It's, I think it's also, it makes me wonder if like the two are kept separate, like the information about pregnancy and childbirth is so taboo and kept secret because it changes your perspective on sex and if we are you know combining the purpose of sex (laughs) with like the pleasure of sex you can't really like sell sex or objectify women as easily as you would like to or as easily as the world has made it to sexually objectify women and children it's just wild that like men will and like you know ingest but like we'll call big boobs mommy milkers and know that that's the purpose for them and still be able to like sexualize them it's bizarre it's crazy i mean a lot of other countries don't do that because like being topless isn't this big taboo thing because breasts aren't like as sexualized. Right. Yeah. And, um, I read a study where they talk about how like on a nude beach, you maybe initially are very like excited because you're like, Oh my God, this is crazy because being naked is like taboo. But the, like it, it shows that over time, like, I think after a few hours you stop seeing it as sexual and it's just like, because it's normal. Yeah. So yeah. 
I don't know, normalize the actual purpose of our bodies and knowing about it. I want to see like brain studies of like that, like how getting used to like being around a bunch of nude people and being nude yourself, like what that changes chemically. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to know. Yeah. Because there is a sexual component of it yeah. to begin with. So it's interesting. Would you go to a nudist beach? Yes. Hmm. I'd go at least once. Like I wouldn't like hang out. Yeah. I mean, I'd hang out. I wouldn't go just to be like, wow, look at those, look at those tits. Yeah. And then leave. But like, I wouldn't go to be like, you know what? I'm going to go relax on a nude beach. You know, mm-hmm. I would just like, I don't know, like check it out. See what's up. Would you? I don't know. It totally depends on like the, the type of nudist beach because what kind of people are going to a nudist beach? People who like don't give a shit yeah. and just want to like vibe on the beach or m- probably creeps, you know? Yeah. Creeps have to end up on a nudist. I just feel like yeah, they're a kid in a candy shop. They know nude, nude beach- beaches exist. Yep. But yep. it's just like, you know, that that's the that's the question of it all yeah i i don't think i would go to an american nudist beach no hell no because i'm thinking about like you know have you ever gone skinny dipping with your girlfriends yeah see that's fun hell yeah it's empowering yes i don't know it's fun to skinny dip with your friends yeah because you're just like we're just girls yeah i like being naked with my ladies yeah but like i and because it's like a w- you can be naked safely around other people yes yeah you know, yeah. I think that's why it's so like it's fun and freeing. Yeah, and it's, a silly. Vo- it's also vulnerable to begin with, and then you like get like you get more comfortable, and then it becomes liberating. Yeah, it, that's a beautiful journey for your brain to go on. Yeah, exactly. Um, should we wrap? Yeah, I feel like we've been. How long have we been talking? An hour and eleven minutes. Oh, it feels like a lot longer than I know. that. I'm Flew gassing. By. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, we. Le- you 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 go the highest and i go the lowest yeah it's beautiful (laughs) my low is not (laughs) low enough two sides of the same coin baby (laughs) that was pretty low thank you fuck i've been working on it it shows (laughs) (laughs) bye bye I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.